0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning. Morning. Welcome to church. I'm so glad that you have... um, Well, you know, as I was praying about this service, I realized that God was saying everybody who's here this morning is making an investment in their spiritual growth and development. And so I want to congratulate you on that. That's a great thing. And as, as as I further prayed, God said that it's the goal of every church service, and this one included, that when we leave here we would be more capable of living life in a healthy and vibrant manner, and that we would have a closer and deeper connection with God. So I want to welcome you along on that journey. And uh, my name is Ron. I'm one of the pastoral staff here at New Life. And so especially if you're here for the very first time, I'd like to welcome you. And um, let me give you a couple things to do on the inside of your program that you got on the way in. You will find a folded page of fill-in-the-blank notes. So I want to encourage you to pull that out and fill the blanks in as we go along. It will help you learn. You'll see the rest of us doing that. And... um, I'm talking about sexuality today. Won't that be fun? Yeah. So when it comes to sex, is God a thou shalt or thou shalt not kind of God? What do you think? You don't know what to say, do you? (laughs) Ah, yeah, okay. We're going to explore that a little bit, all right? Um, So... This whole series of sermons is called Unchained, and the idea behind the series is found in a scripture that I'm going to read to you, but the context of the series is that there are things that you and I encounter in the business of doing everyday life that are heavy. In the language of the Bible, they're called weights, and you can't help but encounter them as you go through life, and in fact, it's the nature of our lives to collect these And if you're in the race of life and you're collecting weights, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a bad thing, okay? And uh, so let me read you the passage of Scripture that directly deals with this, and then we'll get into the subject of the morning. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the champion and the perfecter of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross disregarding its shame, which is an interesting concept how He did that. Now He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Now think of all the hostility He endured from sinful people then you won't become weary and give up. Little insight next week, we're going to talk about weariness. Have they ever been weary? Yes, indeed. So we're going to talk about that. But for today, we have a different subject. It's the subject of sexuality. And that's a weight that you and I encounter in life. But just to give us a biblical backdrop to this, I want to read to you a couple of passages of Scripture and teach you three things out of them. Here are the passages. Genesis 1.27 says, God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. What's the next word? Male and what's the next word? Female, He created them. And a little later in Genesis 2.24, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And what? They will become... One flash. Okay, three things out of this. Number one, sex is God's idea. We didn't make it up, it was God's idea. He created us, male and female, for a purpose. Now, the Bible I read says that everything God created, He looked it over and He said, It is. Are you sure? It is what? Good. So if sex was God's idea and everything God made is good, sex is what? Hey, you guys are great mathematicians. I'm impressed with your logic. Yeah. So that, that, there you go. Sex is it, it, it's God's idea. Here's the second thing I want to teach you. God wants us to enjoy sex. So is God a thou shalt or a thou shalt not? What do you think? Yeah, you're saying that with a whole lot more conviction, okay? God is a thou shalt when it comes to sex. And we'll talk about some boundaries to that, but definitely a thou shalt. That's what God wants. He he created us with a desire for sexual fulfillment. God was the one who put that desire in us. So He wants us to enjoy. Third thing is this. God's guidelines are designed to give us what? Maximum sexual fulfillment. That one's a little harder to swallow. Okay? But I want to tell you that the statistics all prove it. And I'll give give you some of those a little bit later. But God has guidelines. By the way, what's the purpose that God put behind sex? I'll tell you what it is. Okay, God God wanted to create people in his own image and he wanted to create them with the ability to experience uh, the deepest possible form of bond between human beings. And so God said, I'm going to create human beings to marry. I'm going to create human beings to live in a home. And here's what I'm going to do to draw the husband and wife, the father and mother together, I'm going to create in them this desire for intimacy, this desire to be so close to someone that if it were possible, you would love to jump in their skin. And guess what? God said, that's what sex is. It is where a husband and a wife come together so closely that, yes, spirit, soul, and body become one. Now, I want to give you the flip side of that coin. When you toy around with that and you play with that, okay, because God designed you in such a way that it involves body, soul, and spirit, when you toy around with it, then you toy around with and you chip away at the bond of marriage. And we have paid a huge price in our culture for that. And you chip away at your spirit. And you chip away at your soul. So I hope to be able to break that out for us a little bit. So that's the Bible context now let's talk a little bit about the the concept of sexuality. Okay? Because I want to teach you about, about this. <clears throat> Finish this statement. What happens in Las Vegas? There you go. Yeah, right. <laughs> what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. Finish this statement. If it feels good... Oh, you've heard that one too, huh? I want to say two little words and see if you can figure out what I'm talking about. Wardrobe malfunction. You know, our culture, if you want to write this down, our culture has just been sexualized. And again, sex is not bad, okay? In our culture, sex is used to sell car parts. Have no clue how that works. Okay? But it does. Sells car parts. It sells body lotion. It sells toothpaste. It sells whatever. Why? We're suckers when it comes to this. Yeah, we show some guy a half clad woman, he goes out and buys a cam for his car. What's up with that? Yeah, I don't know. Evidently we don't think very deeply. Yeah. Not only does sex sell, but it's promoted. There's a very active prom- promotion component in our culture. When was the last time you saw a movie down at the local movie theater and in that movie, if there was a romantic relationship, It was actually between a husband and wife and they didn't sleep together before or outside of marriage. That's a pretty rare movie, isn't it? Yeah. When was the last time you watched a television show where the people in the show actually lived morally? We just get... Friends, it's it's inescapable in our culture. You know what I wrote down in my notes? Sex is our drug of choice. And it is. We turn to it for everything. And you know what's worse? It's available everywhere. It is. Not that I would want you to do this. In fact, I would want you not to do this. But you could sit in church with your cell phone and you could text words to certain sites and they will send you Sex messages. There's no place that you can go in our culture where it isn't available to you. It's everywhere. And you can't miss it. You're at home. You're pulling up the email. And and a window pops up. You say, well, good. I'll put a pop-up window blocker on my email so I don't have to ever deal with that again. Thank you. And the next thing you know, a window pops up. Only this one just has text in it. It's just everywhere. It's promoted everywhere. It's the sexualization of our culture. Now, here's a key understanding, and I want you to get it clearly, because it sounds similar, but it's not. Ready? Sex is God's idea. Sexuality is Satan's twisted version of it. Because you know what you're actually encountering in the world is not sex. It's sexuality. Big, big, big big difference and we're we 're going to explore that uh, more as the morning goes, so that 's the way I mean we encounter it every day, bombarded by it wherever we go, so that brings us to an interesting place in life, and we 'll get out our our handy dandy two roads. Uh, Illustration that we've been using for the last several weeks. So that brings up a question. I'm gonna encounter sexuality. There's no way I can get it around it in our culture. It's everywhere. So what am I gonna do with it? Am I gonna head down this road or am I gonna head up this road? This road leads to bondage, this road leads to freedom. This road gets it all of its, its uh, principles and guidelines from the culture. This road gets its principles and guidelines from God. Okay? One thing is for sure, on this road or this road, there's sex. Okay? The deal is, this one, it becomes a blessing, and this one, it actually becomes a weight and a curse in life. Okay? So... There's our two roads. Now, let's take a look at this particular road. If I decide to go down this road, and so I'm going to engage, or we'll call it carry, this weight of sexuality. I'm not going to take off the sexuality weight of saying, okay, I'm going to embrace sexuality. I'm going to become this um, person with sexual appeal. And I'm going to operate out there in what's considered normal sexual activity in our culture. And so I'm going to carry that. And then this, lo- this road, obviously, would be the one where I decide to release that weight and say, no, I'm not going to carry that weight. I'm going to travel on the road that God has called me to travel on, and I'm going to travel light. Let's take a look at a passage of Scripture. You have heard, this is Jesus talking, the commandment which says, you must not commit adultery. Jesus said, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with with her in his heart. I don't know how many marriages I've done for sure, but I'm guessing it's somewhere between two and three hundred, maybe more than that. Okay? I give premarital counseling to every couple that I marry, and one of the questions that I ask them is Is faithfulness, sexual fidelity, and marriage an important issue to you? How many of them do you think have said to me, uh, ah, I can take it or leave it? You think I've ever even had one? Now, I, granted, they're talking to a pastor, so they probably know what the right word is supposed to be. But you know something? I've never actually married or even even visited with a couple that wanted to get married where sexual fidelity wasn't important. And yet, the amazing thing is, and this is where I kind of quit preaching, go to meddling for a little bit an amazingly high number of the people who come to me and tell me sexual fidelity is important in marriage are sleeping together before they get married. Uh, Hello? I knew it would get quiet when I said that. Okay? I want to talk to you about that for a minute, okay? Jesus labels the path for us, and he says that this path begins with lust, What's lust? It's something other guys have. No, you know what lust? Is? I want to give you a definition of it. Okay, lust is this: it is experiencing sexual arousal outside of marriage. Do I need to say that again? I don't think there's any place on your notes for you can write it in the margin. It is experiencing sexual arousal outside of marriage. We live in a country that says you should be able to be sexually aroused anywhere. Sexual arousal is a good thing. It's only, you only, well, you want to be faithful in marriage. But where you get sexually aroused is nobody's business but your own. Friends, you don't get that from God. Okay? Now, we struggle with sexual arousal because it feels good, correct? Yeah, I knew it would get quiet when I said that. But yes, shake your head like this. It does feel good. Of course, we all enjoy it. God made us that way. But the deal is, and we'll talk a little bit later about where the proper boundaries are, but I already shared it with you. Lust is sexual arousal outside of marriage. Once you decide to go down this path, Jesus says, it starts with lust and it ends with Immorality. We should... Okay. Isn't sexual arousal made to lead us to sex? And if we're getting sexual arousal outside of marriage, where is it going to lead us to sex? Where? Outside of marriage. Yeah. Yeah, your logic is still good. That's the problem in our culture We're taught that this is the path to happiness and that actually somewhere down here is where you're really happy and yet if you look at what immorality does in our country, does that lead to happiness? What do you think? It's catastrophic. Wow. So, guess what? Is this just a two-step deal? No, there's actually a middle ground that I want to talk to you about. Let's take a look at what I call the fueling stop in the middle. Here's what the book of Proverbs says. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines what? The course of your life. He goes on to say, my child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the heart, right? You know what the fueling ground, the fueling stop in the middle is? Here it is. It's fantasy. Whether you're male or female, that's a very tempting place to go and to be. Especially once you've started here. Okay? Now it takes different forms But the bottom line is, this is a fueling stop, okay? One time when I was a kid, we were, this is back in the days when you could burn trash, and I've told you this story before, I was burning trash, and it was a hot August day in Iowa, and the grass was just, was all brown, and one of the pieces of paper came out and landed on the grass and started grass on fire, and my dad was not home, my mom was, my older brother, and I was, I don't know, eight or nine or ten, something like that, so I ran in, I got my mom and she came out and we were trying to beat out that fire and she said to my older brother, she said, Don, quick, run in to the basement and get a bucket of water. And he came running out with this bucket and she took that bucket and she threw it on there. It was actually fuel oil. We had serious problems. Okay? Now I don't want you to forget, this is a tiny fire. This is a major fire. And what's this? That's the fuel that turns this into this. Okay? With guys. You know what it is? You guys ready to admit it? What do, what do guys struggle with? Yeah, you don't want to say it out loud, do you? Pornography. Listen to me carefully, okay? The lowest figure that I've seen in any study of guys in the United States of America, in our culture, who are regular users of pornography. Are you ready? 60%. Regular. I'm talking about ongoing, continual, even habitual users of pornography. Think, thank God I'm a Christian. Okay, you ready for what it is in the church? goes all the way down to 40%. Okay, guys, I'm just talking straight up. Okay, There's approximately 200, maybe a few more than 200 adults in our audience this morning. Those of you who are really good at math, if half of us are guys, we're down to 100, what's 40% of 100? Yeah, you figured out 40, right? That means there's 40 guys sitting here this morning, more than likely 40 of us who are regular users of pornography. And the women are all going, thank God I'm a woman. Okay? For women, it's about half of that. So you know what that means? That means if there's 40 guys sitting in our audience this morning who are regular users, how many women are regularly struggling with lust? 20. Okay? But, no, 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 it gets, women don't get off quite that easily. Okay? For guys, it's pornography. For women, you know what it is? I don't know, I've never been a woman, but here's what they tell me, all right? <laughs> it's daydreams. There's a reason why the demographic for the average soap opera is pretty heavily weighted toward the female side. And I don't know if you've noticed, but they rarely put pictures of Fabio on guys' books. You don't know, very often find a guy browsing in the romance section at your local bookstore. Why? Because it's women who read that and jump into fantasy. And the next thing you know, where does that lead? It's the fueling stop that leads them here. Now, I want to tell you something else about this, this road. Okay? It's a road of gradual compromise. This is by far its biggest danger of gradual compromise and drift. At first you think, eh, a lady walks by, and guys, you look her over twice, and another lady walks by, and she seems to be pretty hot, and you let your imagination go a little bit, and and, and, and one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another... And and you fast forward, and eventually you are where a friend of mine who called me two weeks ago, and and he said, "Ron, I'm in major, major, major trouble." He goes, "I'm married, I've got three kids, and I've got a sexual addiction." Said, "I never thought it started with magazines." And it ended with multiple affairs. How did he get there? He said, Ron, I've lied to so many people. He said, For my own good, for my own good, I'm forcing myself to take a polygraph test every six months because I have no baseline of truth in my life anymore. He goes, I've lied to so many people, I, I lie to myself. He said, it's, cr- it's crazy. He said, I don't have to tell you what it's doing to my life and my kids. They're gone. Wow. I just want to talk to you. I'm not here to heap guilt upon guilt, but I want to talk to you. I had a good friend of mine who said, his dad told him when he saw him one day kind of peeking at a magazine as they were walking through a store, his dad said to him, son, don't you ever... Open that box. A monster lives in there. And it will eat you up. Be good for us to do a little inventory. And so the worship band is going to play and sing a song. I want to direct your attention to the video screens because it it powerfully portrays this particular truth. Something even haunting about that song isn't it? so let's take a look at what God has to say. Take a look up at the video screens. God says among you, there must not be even a what a hint of sexual immorality, because God knows there's a price to be paid for that, and it's huge. He goes on, Paul writes and says to the people in Corinth run from sexual sin. Does that give you the idea that there might be some danger there? He, just doesn't, he doesn't say keep it at a distance or make sure you have a check in your spirit. What does he say? Run from it. Wow. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Wow. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. What happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, right? Well, I did a little research, okay? And I know that not everything that happens in Las Vegas is bad. I didn't didn't say that. But I would say this, and I think you would have to agree with me, that of all the cities in our country, wouldn't you say that Las Vegas has to be one of the most sexually charged cities in our country? Would you agree with me? Yeah? Would you agree that it tends to promote immorality? Actually, after all, if what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, we're not talking about giving to charity, are we? No. We're actually talking about immorality or some form on this path. All right. I'll do a little research. Okay? According to a, a study that was done about four years ago, Las Vegas leads our country in gambling. No big surprise there, right? Okay? Leads our country in rate of alcoholism. Leads our country in rate of addiction. Leads our country in rate of divorce. Leads our country in rate of suicide. Leads our country in rate of teen pregnancy. Leads our country in the rate of incarceration. If you don't know what that means, it means being thrown in prison. You know, Evidently, what happens in Las Vegas tends to ruin your life. Because none of us look at that list and go, man, that's where I want to live, right? No. Yeah. Because once you start down this path and you fuel it a little bit, man, you can get there in a hurry. And there's a huge price to be paid. Let me tell you a couple of other prices and then we'll get on the good side. We'll get on the fun side. Okay? And, and I don't mean, again, I'm going to lay out some, some, some things here that I know a number of people in the room this morning have been through. And I know that they represent pain and I know that they represent heartache and I'm not here just to heap on the guilt, but I do have to talk the truth and I want you to listen to the truth. Okay? It is not a natural thing, nor is it a normal thing for a pregnancy to be voluntarily terminated. You have any idea what percentage of the abortions in our country happen in the context of immorality. And people carry that weight for decades. And we try to tell ourselves all sorts of things. it's just a glo- I don't care where you come down politically on it. We try to tell ourselves it's just a globule of tissue, it's just whatever we want to call it. But the bottom line is, it's not normal or natural. To do that to your body and to do that to your spirit. I can tell you that for sure. I'll get to one that's maybe even more close to home. It's not natural and it's not normal for a husband and a wife to take their family and rip it into. Is it? Some of you have been through it, you know that's not normal and natural. You didn't stand in front of the judge or the pastor and say the forever words, only five years, four years, ten years, to just take it and rip it in two. And now you got your kids half the time, if that. But You know how much of divorce is fueled by this? Bunches. Not all of it, but bunches. You know, that's why God said, run from sexual sin. The price is incredible. Now, let's flip the coin over. Okay? And let's look at this path because on this path, there's some really fun stuff. And on this path, this is where God really, this is where God created us to run and this is where sex is really good. This is where sex has no guilt. This is where sex has no regret. This is where sex has no baggage. And this is where sex is really, 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 really fun. And, And if, yes, and if you come to Wednesday night to the Marriage Matters Clegg. It's all about the smiley face, right? Yeah, yeah some of you don't want to laugh too loud, all right? But there you go. And, and for those of you who don't go to that, you'll have to ask somebody who does, all right? So that's why this is where all the smiley faces are, okay? Now, there are three things. If we're going to really enjoy sex, and we're going to have sex with no guilt, and we're going to have sex with great enjoyment, the first thing that we have to have is a thing called boundaries, Boundaries are very, very important. Let me read to you a couple of passages of Scripture, okay? God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. That sounds like a common thing. He goes on to say, then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like those who, what? Don't know God, therefore don't accept His guidelines, or his ways. And let's read the passage right before that where Paul talks about marriage. Because there is so much sexual immorality, you would think he was writing in 21st century America, right? Because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. So when it comes to sex, is God a thou shalt or thou shalt not? What do you think? Definitely thou shalt. In the right context, yes, thou shalt. Wow, and according to that passage, thou shalt often, maybe, huh? You never thought you'd hear the pastor say that, right? That's the deal. Okay? So let's talk about boundaries for a minute because boundaries are extremely important. Why do we have boundaries in life? Every boundary that I could think of is set up for three reasons. Health, safety, and protection. That's why around an accident scene, they're going to put up boundaries because they don't want you to compound it by crashing into it that 's why if there 's a pothole in the road and it 's a serious one that 's going to do damage to your car, they put a boundary around it it 's why they say you know don't don 't cross this 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 uh, banister here that 's on the edge of the grand canyon why because if you decide to play on the other side of it. There's catastrophic results. They're all about health and safety and protection. Well, when God put a boundary around sex, He put it around it for those three reasons. So if you go outside of the boundary, what are you jeopardizing? Your health, your safety, and your protection. No wonder it's scary. Yeah. No, because you're walking outside the boundaries. So God says... Here are boundaries. Accept them in your life, and sex will be great. Transgress them, and the risks are huge. And it will always be less than what it could have been. And by the way, study after study after study after study after study has been done, and they all come to the same conclusion. The people who have the greatest joy in sex after marriage are people who did not sleep together before marriage. Now, I know Hollywood will never tell you that, but that's true. It is true. Okay? Boundaries. Second is vigilance. I didn't say vigilantes, okay? But vigilance. I looked for another word that didn't sound quite so harsh, but I couldn't find one. So there you go. That's what you got. You know what I think of when I think of this? A garden. And you know, there's a bunch of things I like about a garden, but there's one thing I absolutely hate about a garden. What do you think it is? Man, he must have a garden too. I don't ever recall ever even once in my life planting weeds in my garden. But they get there all by themselves, don't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what happens if you say, I've had it with weeds. I'm never pulling another weed again. Best of luck with your garden, right? Because it won't be long until you've got no garden. And you won't have any fruit. You won't have any tomatoes. You won't have any lettuce. Why? Because the weeds will be all you got. Guess what happens? Your heart is like a garden. You don't have to plant lustful thoughts in. They show up all by themselves, don't they? And no one wants to say amen real loud right then. But that's true. They do. We all get them. Okay? So the deal is... You have weeds, you're either going to do one of two of three things. You're either going to pull them, ignore them. You know what the third one is? It's actually the worst. Fertilize them. How do you fertilize the weeds? What did we learn earlier? Right here. Fantasy. But if you will be vigilant and you will pull the weeds out of your heart, and you'll pull those, those thoughts of lust and immorality and sexual arousal. If You say, inside of marriage or outside of marriage? If it's outside of marriage, pull it out. Got to go. Got to go. Because you want to experience joy in sex, not tainted joy in sex. When a husband and a wife are together, you want their thoughts to be of them and them only. Not Fabio, not some chick the guy saw walking down the street who he doesn't even know her name. If you want joy in sex, it's got to be pure. That's why this is in your notes. This is the road to sexual purity because when you choose sexual purity, the sex is pure joy. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Undiluted. So there you have it. Vig- boundaries, vigilance, and then what's the third one? Enjoyment. Because God is a thou shalt God. He's a God who says, it's good. He's a God who said, I gave you that desire so that you and your wife or you and your husband would be joined together in the deepest, most long lasting, intimate form of bond possible to the human spirit. Soul and body. I want you to have it all. And that's where you get it. It's tucked away in the Bible. There's a book. It's called The Song of Solomon. I don't want to read you just the passage because... And I could almost <laughs> open it up anywhere and put a finger and just begin to read. Because it's a wonderful story of a, of a love between a husband and a wife. And this is what the husband says to her at one one of the places in there. He says, You have captured... My heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine, your perfume more fragrant than spices. Your lips are sweet as nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. I almost changed that and I thought, well, okay. Guys, that's probably not a real good line to try in this day and age, okay? We don't live real next we don't live real close to Lebanon and that probably won't mean a lot to your wife. But the deal is, you smell good, okay? That's that's the deal. You are, look at this. You are my what? Private garden, not a public garden. You're my private garden, my treasure, my bride, a secluded spring, a hidden fountain. Do you get the idea that that was refreshing to him? Yeah, you get the idea he enjoyed that. You get the idea that she might have enjoyed that as well. Yeah, that's what God wants for us. That was his design. And I know we live in a world that there's so much pull to go this direction and so much temptation. And I've virtually never met a person that hasn't at some point been tempted to to walk down this path at least partway. And God says, understand that. That's a weight. That's something you're going to encounter in life. But I'm calling you to cut that loose and walk down this path because this is where it's light. This is where it's good. This is where it's healthy. So it's time for us to do, I know I asked you a while ago to do a little inventory. I'm going to ask you three questions right now. And I'm going to give you a little time to think about it. Uh, Number one, okay, what boundaries do I need to set in my life right now? For some of us, we're living outside the boundary. Okay? Some of us are actively sleeping with people we're not married to. It's time, I know. You go, whoa, whoa, I thought I was going to hear a sermon. Now you're talking about my life. Hello? That's what we do. Okay? And, and I know that's not sometimes an easy thing to rectify, but I can't just say, because it's not easy, I guess I won't talk about that with you. Okay? What boundaries do I need to set in my life right now? Some of us need to go look at the weeds because we've got a ton of weeds in our life and we've actually been feeding the weeds with fantasy. What weeds do I need to pull out of my life? And you say, Pastor, I'm one of those 40 guys. Okay? We actually have tools that we can help you with. So you come and talk to me and we'll get you lined up with some tools because... The sooner you start pulling weeds, the shorter they are and the easier they come out. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's the way all weeds are, even sexual weeds. Okay? And then thirdly, what sins do I need to confess? Because, you know, this doesn't get better until you talk to God about it directly. So I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to, to take some inventory in your life. Once again, I'm going to have us read a prayer and I'm going to say the same thing again because I mean it. I'm going to give you a chance to read through the prayer ahead of time and I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray it with me but I don't want you to pray it unless you mean every word of it so read through it. It's up on the video screens or you can see it on the back side of your notes. If you're ready to pray, then let's pray together. Loving Father, I live in a world of great brokenness because of sin. Thank you for revealing to me the connection between the two. This morning I come with a desire to be sexually pure in every way. I see the destruction in our culture because of sexual sin. And I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Your wisdom is far greater than mine so I trust every guideline you have given. Lord, give me the strength I need to set the boundaries right where you have said they need to be. Help me pull every weed from my heart and enable me to taste the joy of sexual purity. I commit myself to you and present these requests in Jesus' name. Amen.